listening to the Punch Drunken Masters, uh, the MMA recap podcast where we talk about uh, the last week in MMA. I'm your host, Ramon Bermudez, and I'm here with uh, MMA freelance writer Diamond Keegan. Uh, cur- currently, where are you working at Diamond? Hi, Ramon. Uh, yeah, this week you could find my, my work at uh, MMA and cannabis theme site smalljointmanipulation.net. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm excited. Is that on Vice? Uh, not yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what was the one on Vice called? It, uh, be- it, it was called Fightland. Uh, oh, yeah, which is a good name. Like, honestly, like I'm surprised it wasn't snatched up by like a women's MMA uh, company in like Australia or something. Uh, well, you know how Vice is. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. Precisely. <laughs> But yeah, we're, um, so this past weekend, we, uh... It, it was kind of a light weekend, you know, uh, none of the big promotions, uh, were having any shows, but, you know, that's alright, because that means we could catch up on something a little more regional. Yes, um, the Rhode Island Inferno. Yes, uh, RII4. Mm-hmm, for, yeah, like, uh, uh, good card, honestly, I, fe- I felt. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of good fights, you know, a couple of stinkers, as always, but um, for the most part, it was an enjoyable night. Uh, I think that I would recommend anybody, uh, you know, follow up and, and watch it uh, after listening to our review. Yeah, um, so in, now I want to say that, like, uh, if it's okay with you, Ramon, I'd like to s- skip reporting on the undercard, because it was literally 14 fights. Mm-hmm. Like the show started at ten o'clock in the morning, and that's just like, and then went going going for so long, and it was kind of weird because like people just go like in and out, and it's just like never more than like two hundred people watching at any time. But it was pretty much like just a rotating cast of people like at that show. Yeah, but you have to understand that that sort of makes sense because uh, they are working on um in the Rhode Island time zone. Yes, which is different from every other time zone. Yes. Uh, it's a little hard to pinpoint, uh, what time exactly they're usually starting their shows. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but let's, let's go into the main card. Um, I'll, I'll lead us off here. Um, uh, first one on the main card was, a uh, Double Dip Frank Victor, uh, facing off against Casey Carguy White in the welterweight division. <laughs> um, and, uh, Double Dip, uh, won this by KO in the second round. Uh, yeah, you know, big double dip, uh, love that guy, you know, love, love his, um, love his ground and pound, you know, he's just absolute, like, a real two-fist, but, like, facing down fighter. Yeah, it's, as you know, though, it's like, double dip has, like, his thing, where he does all his, all, all his moves only two times, and he, then he just switches off immediately. It's, it, it is an interesting, uh, fighting style, because it means that, uh, he usually throws out uh, all his best weapons like early on, and then you're like, "Wow, double dip! All right, uh, just two spinning elbows right from the start. Not gonna throw any more spinning elbows, huh?" Yeah. Well, here's the thing: couldn't get anything off in the first round because remember, like Casey Carguy White was just set the first round, just completely circling like the cage, just drifting all around the cage, and Double Dip was working real hard, like overtime, just to keep up with him. Yeah, he used up all his stocks, you know, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, like, um, so, and 
that was the main of the first round. But remember, near the end, uh, Double Dip uh, did a very really good takedown on on Casey White. Um, punched him twice in the face, uh, then kneed him twice in the side, and then went for strangely only one armbar. But that was because like uh, the time on the time expired on the round. Yeah, you you gotta keep. Uh, well, I mean, if you're double dip anyway, you've got to keep one armbar in reserve. You don't know what the later <laughs> rounds look like. Yeah. Uh, he, a very disciplined fighter, uh, double dip. You know, uh, most fighters, like, pretty much just go for uh, what they're good at uh, and stick to it. Uh, he refuses to. He only throws every attack uh, twice and then uh, just doesn't use them again. It... It makes things difficult when he just immediately goes for like a, a jab jab combo mm. and now he doesn't have a jab and you know yeah. you you wonder how he does it but like double dip big double yeah. dip does it double dip does two jabs then goes straight for two upper straight for two uppercuts uh right, right afterwards um but uh the conclusion of the fight i i actually really liked this song because uh double dip uh it's actually a little bit of a controversial ending because uh, this did take place in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, Double Dip won the fight with a soccer kick. Like, an absolute, like, just a blasted Casey Carguy White in the face. And the referee stopped the fight, and he won. Uh, but what makes it controversial is Double Dip went and delivered another one after <laughs> after the whistle. Uh, now, I think that uh, it was all right. You know, I, I feel like it was a moment of passion, uh, mm-hmm. plus Double Dip does have his thing that, uh, he, he works with, you know, it, it, it's his first offense, uh, which of course means we should expect a second offense in his next match. Uh, but <laughs> that's for the referee to decide what to do with. Yeah. Um, yeah. As of right now though, um, if I, uh, I looked into it, uh, as of today, the fight is currently under review and they may overturn the result, which I think it's just... The last thing the Rhode Island Inferno needs right now is a controversy like this, but it's got people talking, honestly, which is going to go well for our Rhode Island Inferno 5 when it happens in two months. Yes. Okay, uh, second fight. I believe this was a bantamweight? Uh, yes, it was a women's bantamweight, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, it was uh, Tweety Bird Sweatpants. I thought that was her nickname, but no, <laughs> that is actually her real name. Uh, and she fought against Melissa, Melissa, Melissa. Yep, uh, <laughs> um, Melissa Cube uh, as like <laughs> the Melissa Cube, which is, which is like kind of like what people call her on like message boards. I mean, she has not like confirmed it or like said anything about it on Twitter or anything, but like it's just I'm just saying that like she just if you see her come out with like uh, a tank top with just like just a cube on it, that's that's a wink to the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but t- talk about this fight. Talk about this fight. Tweety Bird pants and. Melissa, Melissa, Melissa. Uh, a Tweety Bird sweatpants. Um, I mean, what is there to say? Uh, usually, so she, of course, uh, made made a name for herself in uh, not even regional. Uh, basically, you know, backyard fights. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember just like a... Um, that, that when, when she, she got her big break through an Instagram live show, actually. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, everybody expected real big things of her once she she made it into uh, RII. Uh, she just hasn't put it together. And honestly, I feel like uh, the, the addition of rules that she's not used to is what's doing her in. So, uh, 
she usually has much better clinch work, but without being able to grab the hair, like it's just not there like it used to be. Yeah, and as you know, Melissa, 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 Melissa keeps keeps her hair cropped very short, except for that one extremely long rat tail that goes down to her ankles, mm-hmm. which she just insists on keeping. Which I feel is a tactical blunder, honestly, because she has been yanked down by it several times, and while it is illegal, it still kind of like gets in the way a lot. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to say that until uh, a commission comes in and uh, has something to say about that rat tail, I feel like uh, she's well within her rights to uh, wear it to the ring. Oh no, absolutely, she can wear it. I, I'm not saying she should stop wearing it. I'm just saying that like she should re- she should consider, you know, wear, wearing it wearing it like that because it's. You know, if she can make it work, she can make it work. But, like, right now, it seems like it's a tactical disadvantage for her. Uh, especially when Tweety Bird, Tweety Bird Sweatpants um, managed to wrap the rat tail around her own neck and and started doing a choke with it. Granted, the referee did break up that break up that hold and did issue a warning to Tweety Bird Sweatpants uh, in... Uh, was that the second or third round that happened? Uh, it was the second round. Okay, yeah, it's... You know, what happened the third? Uh, the third round was Tweetbird sweat. Tweetbird sweatpants was that. That was the fish hook round. Uh, uh, yes, that. So the referee gave another warning there. Um, so I, I'm kind of. I feel like it's been a big deal lately, where referees seem to um, not want to give out, uh, like not want to take away points. I should say uh, it's kind of a big issue. The hair pulling can can get you so far. Like I I just feel, I just feel like the referees should step in more often. No, I I agree. Like it's but it's it was like what Tweety Bird Sweatpants what third fourth fight I can't remember. Uh, it's her third fight. Okay, yeah. So she's still she's still kind of a rookie. She's still learning the ropes here. But like, um, this one went to decision. Yeah, um, and I gotta be honest, I don't feel like I agree with the decision. Oh, you don't, you know, like, yeah, like, Twitter with Sweatpants did win by decision, which, it was a split decision, though. It was like, she, she won the first round, lost the second round, and then she won the third round, which didn't seem right, because, like, like you said, she did lose points for, for choking out with the, with the rat tail on Melissa, Melissa, Melissa. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... To uh, to Tweety Bird Sweatpants' defense, uh, Melissa, Melissa, Melissa did actually uh, find herself wrapped up to the cage with her own rat tail. Uh, <laughs> so there was really nothing Tweety Bird uh, Sweatpants could do. Uh, but I guess it was uh, on the referee to to decide. I just don't feel like the point should have been taken. I feel like the point should have been taken earlier, and that way uh, it would make a little more sense to uh, the people in the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, now we got Melissa, Melissa, Melissa uh, just flopping around like a fish with um, uh, six rings around its um, <laughs> its gills. You know, you just... You don't expect to see a fighter in that state. Yeah, it's it was upset. At um, the very least, you don't pay to see a fighter in that state. Yeah. Well, speaking of state, that leads into our next fight. Um, between Altered State Nora Esther and Strangler Percy... <laughs> Um, and this one, this one was over in the first round. Like, it was, it was buck wild, honestly. Is the start out of this, Nora, Alter State Nora Esther just started 
spinning like completely out of, out of control. Like like she just put her fists out and just started spinning, mm-hmm. just like out, just like absolute zang- zangief shit going on there. Um, and she was just spinning, spinning, spinning around. Uh, and then Strangler Percy uh, did manage uh, to get uh, lock in the choke like very very early on. They, it was rough. I mean that that is what happens when uh, you run up to a person named Strangler uh, and just give them your back. It was well. It was only like like she was uh, really it, it, Strangler Percy should have been called Kid in a Candy Store Percy. Yeah, but it was also it was it was more like it's you give them their back, but like every couple of seconds you get the bag because that's how much how much spinning was going on so strangler percy did have to time out their their grab there were there were a couple of missed grabs don't forget and and strangler percy did take a couple of couple of hits right on the jaw uh, that's fair but also uh, strangler percy has been uh getting um getting striking training from his coach uh quick time evan so <laughs> this is a thing that he's uh, used to at this point. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so once Percy, Strangler Percy gets this uh, hold on, um, amazingly, nor nor uh, Alter State Nora Esther did not go down. Um, she actually started spinning more with with Percy on her back, um, and which eventually led to um, Strangler Percy. Lying off of Nora et- altered state Nora Esther's back, and was KO'd after they flew directly through the cage. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a surprising turn of events. Uh, ring out by cage destruction uh, has only happened once before. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, it was kind of a weak it was basically like four batting cages uh like <laughs> put together and held there by um uh by zip ties oh um where, where where was this or when was this you know if i would have thought if i would have thought to bring this up i i would have brought it up uh later in the show um I'm, i'll have to i'll have to find the tape Okay, all right. But with this, honestly, like, I'm going to predict here. This this sounds like some South Dakota shit. But yeah, uh, so, uh, Nora Esther uh, wins after KO through the cage. Um, then we have the main event. Yeah, uh, the main event. Um, we're talking here about um, Peter Jorts versus James Two-Toed Donahue. James Donahue, like as you know, is one of my my favorite fighters in the heavyweight division. Yes, um, and you know Peter Jorts, uh, I kind a, a bit of a um, bit of a mean thing to say, but one of my personal favorite jiggle weights. <laughs> Come on, man! He, listen, he's he's a big guy, and I love him. Like, uh, yeah, and he's. You know, after after the knife incident, he's been recovering pretty well. You know, we didn't we didn't think we'd see him in the cage again, and here he is main eventing uh, RII four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a question for you. Where do you think, uh, where do you think that he gets the uh, sponsors uh, branded on his shorts? Because <laughs> you know, like the the shorts that fighters usually use 
uh, to to get like those um, sponsors branded in. Like they're made for that kind for for those kind of patches. But like, jorts is jorts. Like, I mean, you you've put a patch on a denim vest. It's kind of kind of the same thing. I mean, you have to kind of like go out of your way to like get like an embroidered like patch, you know. Um, but hey, you know, somehow uh, Peter George did it, and he had that big Quiznos cue on his back pocket, <laughs> right above the Jinko logo. <laughs> now, to be clear, um, uh, he was asked about it. Uh, he is not sponsored by Jinkos. That just does not come off. Yeah, no, it, that just comes with the Jorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I remember correctly, when he was down on the mat, uh, grappling with James Tuto Donahue. Um, he was, like, turned upside down, and his wallet fell out of his shorts, and they had to stop the fight. Uh, yeah. See, they they told him he couldn't have uh, his chain wallet with him, <laughs> and he figured just taking off the chain would be okay. Yeah. But... Uh, then it fell out, and, you know, he got up, he was real angry, he was like, that's what the chain is for! <laughs> it, it was, uh, there was a lot of chatter on Twitter about it, like, um... Fans were split over. Uh, some people thought that this was a deliberate strategy by uh, by Peter Jorts uh, because because like you figure like anytime he gets in trouble, just turn himself upside down, his wallet falls out. You know, similar mm-hmm. to when a fighter spits out their mouth guard to try to stop a fu- stop something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people who are on his side to be like, yeah, no, that's what the chain's for. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, James Tuto Donahue. Yeah. How do we feel about him fighting with two missing toes? I mean, he's doing... So, as as we all know, uh, before this fight, uh, he went by James Tutone Donahue, uh, (laughs) the Ska Warrior. Um, Um, uh, One of my personal favorites, of course. Yeah, but it was asked to change his, his shorts and everything because... Uh, I believe the 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 phrasing given was that the checkerboard pattern was too jarring for television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he took it a bit far. He straight he uh, he assassins creed his feet. <laughs> and he went he for like he went for, the, he went for the big toes too, which I I just man just both big toes just lopped him right off. Um, but you know what he he did it and he's recovered and you know what he's. He's just as strong a fighter as ever, I feel. Now, I I have a theory on why it was that uh, he Here. took off these toes. Wait, what's that? <laughs> so, um, of course, you know, he, he's vying for a title shot uh, versus uh, the RII heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the RII heavyweight champion, uh, uh, Peter Zander. Yes, Bang Zander. Bang Zander. <laughs> Yes, Bang Xander. I forgot that was his Peter Bang Xander, but we always skip. Everyone leaves off the Peter, and I don't like that, honestly. I RII kind of has um, a lot of Peters. You know, we got Peter Jorts, we got Peter Bang Xander. Uh, we skipped the undercard, but we had you know like Peter James, Peter Folk, Peter Post, uh, Peter Melissa Melissa. Melissa, 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 Melissa's uh, cousin. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. Bang Xander. The, you want, you want. Yeah. So, are you in fact saying? Uh, so Bang Xander, uh, of course, uh, in spite of the name Bang, 
uh, is famous for his leg locks. Yeah, precisely. Uh, so what I believe is that um, James Two Toes Donahue uh, took off his big toes uh, to take the leverage away from uh, certain uh, ankle locks. I mean, how much how much toe gra- grabbing is there in it from in ankle locks? Uh, Not usually a lot. I, I don't know, freelance journalist, for small joint manipulation. Listen, you you know what that you know what that website <laughs> means. I know what that website means. God knows what that website <laughs> means. You're not going to embarrass me on my own podcast. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like the kind of guys who like thread their fingers through someone else's toes for like an ankle lock, straight up perverts, absolute perverts. Uh, yeah. I would be surprised to hear that Peter Bang Xander Xander uh, is a pervert. That would surprise me. <laughs> Bang Xander. <laughs> so it gets a result of of this fight between Peter Jorts and Tutos. Uh, well, in spite of missing the two toes, uh, you know Peter Jorts uh, got. Uh, James Tutos uh, with a heel hook, not yeah. an ankle lock, uh, meaning that we might be looking at a James Four Toes Donahue situation <laughs> where he takes off both his pinky toes to prevent <laughs> Lux from the other angle. Cannot wait for uh, for Big Stump to make his debut in about <laughs> three or four cards. <laughs> All right, but that was uh, yeah, that was Rhode Island Inferno. Uh, Rhode Island Inferno 5 will be happening in two months, and is Peter George going to face Bang Xander? Is, is that official, or? Uh, well, so, first of all, we have to, we have to finish the, um, Tournament of Peters. Uh, an open way <laughs> tournament where all the Peters, uh, from Rhode Island, uh, face each other. Just all of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. not, not even... Not even the just the Rhode Island Inferno guys. Every Peter from Rhode Island. Yeah, it's gonna be a round robin tournament. It's gonna last an entire month, and uh, I'm glad. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll put it on the background while I work, but I'll watch it. I guess. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Should we move? Yeah. Should we? We should get to our recommendations uh, segment. Yeah. Okay. So up next, uh, as you all know is the world of punch sports. It's mm. where we look back at uh, some uh, historical matches um, that make this great sport what it is today. Uh, do you want to start us off, Diamond? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, this match is uh, from July 17th, 1993, uh, and is the semifinals of the Prince of the Plateau tournament, okay. uh, which was a, high, as you know, a high-concept uh, tournament where all the fights did not take place in a cage, but in fact took place on an elevated flat surface with um, with a ten foot drop all around the all around it, um, and this was uh, was between Brandon Malloy and Rick Exton, um, and this one uh, is famous because of the ending of it, where uh, Rick Exton uh, actually uh, reversed. A flying guillotine by Brandon Malloy. Uh, Brandon Malloy was going for a flying a flying guillotine choke, and Rick Exton manages to throw throw him off and throw him over the side of the ring and ten feet down to the floor. 
Yeah, now, if I recall correctly, the reason that this is so famous is that um, a lot of people suggest that this fight was um, actually uh, rigged. It was actually bought out by a separate uh, third company. Uh, and what people point to uh, in the videotape is when the throw happens, uh, it clearly looks like uh, the fight has been changed to just the ending of an episode of WMAC Masters, uh, <laughs> where the machine is tossed uh, into the pit uh, by Ying Yang Man. Yes. Um, this is also furthered by the fact that um, technically Brandon Malloy won, won the match because Rick Exton was the first person to hit the ground outside. But uh, Brandon Malloy fell off like after the throw and landed on his face, uh, shattering his orbital bone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is the reason that they use Ying Yang Man. Uh, he has the one eye uh, in the shape of a Ying Yang. Yes, precisely. Um, and so, uh, so Brandon, Brandon Malloy did get the victory, but Rick Exton moved on to the finals of the Prince of the Plateau tournament, which uh, I'm, I wasn't happy about that. But as you said, you know, the MMA in the '90s was the Wild West. There was controversies all around. Mm-hmm. And always, as always, we have to learn from our past in order to not repeat it in the future, or however it is that quote is said. You got it close enough. Mm-hmm. What's yours? So, um, as you know, I I do get work um, at a wrestling company. So on occasion, uh, I try to find um, some fights that I think my boss would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is a particular uh, fight. Uh, back in the uh, Japanese um, heyday of MMA uh, between a famous uh, luchador turned MMA fighter Medianoche Martinez and um, and once again one of my favorite uh, jiggle weight fighters um, corned beef <laughs> this this okay oh this sounds like like one of those like freak show fights. It kind of was. Uh, it kind of was. Uh, admittedly, okay. So some some of the big deals about this fight are that uh, maybe Noche Martinez uh, was already kind of past his prime uh, before he decided to move into MMA. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, suggested that it was going to be a bad move, and ultimately it did turn out to be a bad move. Uh, <laughs> but he was doing surprisingly well uh, against um, corned beef. You know, um, he kept up good cardio. Uh, corned beef doesn't move a lot. Uh, corned beef is, of course, you know, a popular uh, pit fighter. Um, mm. Just one of those like sucks, soaks up punches, and then like. Throw, throws out a just a bomb like a, a right bomb just just total kinetic energy manipulation mm-hmm. like to the point that like it's like x-men mutant level yes uh honestly the title corned beef uh only makes that like a, a much more uh <laughs> questionable well i i figured it was called like corned beef just because like it's like forehead was just like absolutely mangled like cause uh, from uh, from just, like, I know that, like, he had this thing where he would push guys, like, grab them around the waist and push them back into the cage, but would ram his own forehead in it so much that just every fight just tap in a gusher mm-hmm. and just blood everywhere. 
Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, like, like I said, this was a, a Japanese MMA fight, so it was happening inside of the ring. But by this point, corned beef's uh, forehead was just so delicate that, like, he... A brisk he, gust he, of wind. He, 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 scra- he scraped his forehead on the way to the ring and was bleeding by the time the announcements were being made. Um, and, the, and the fight went on. Like, they didn't even like, attempt to stop the bleeding. I mean... Corn beef's gonna corn beef. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, um, Medianoche Martinez tried to prove that uh, wrestling uh, had its place in MMA. Uh, so he threw out a bunch of moves that honestly probably wouldn't work against a more uh, technical fighter, let's say. Uh, but they worked against corn beef. Yeah. And so we we all thought that uh, Medianoche Martinez was gonna have it. Uh, of course, he went for the first uh, head scissors takedown in MMA and happened to tip corned beef over onto him, uh, resulting in a slam that knocked Medianoche completely out. Yeah, absolutely, like, dead weight. Like, ragdoll. Mm-hmm. It was... I, I remember, like, uh, you... It, it wasn't, like, this week, but I remember, like, a couple years ago you sent me this fight, so I'm, I'm excited we're talking about it. Yeah, I remember you sent me that fight, we were watching it, and that happened, and the scream that came from me when I saw that, and I, I if I remember correctly, I started yelling at you because I'm like, Ramon, did you did you send me a snuff match? No, okay, it it, it certainly looks a, a lot grislier than it actually is uh, because of all the bleeding corned beef did before the the KO happened. Yeah, that's... so corned beef just like lands on top of Mayanoche, and it just looks like a car accident happened. Yeah, it's. It's fucked up that like all the blood in that in that in that scene like there's there's this really good photo. Um, I had I believe it or not I had it for as like my desktop background on my PC for a while, um, where for, like a camera from the one side like of of like corned beef standing over him, blood just dripping like air. It it looks it looks like an oil painting with just like all the blood and just like. How just like and it was like mid like bounce of like of him hitting the, hitting the mat, like of Martinez like Martinez just like his his limbs are going the wrong way his elbows like jutted out and there's just blood spraying like everywhere it's beautiful honestly mm-hmm. um but yeah it did not do well for um proving that pro wrestling has a place in mixed martial arts. Uh, no, neither did the attempted, uh, German suplex, um, that happened in Medianoche Martinez versus Corn Beef 2. Oh uh, wait, wait, the, wait, there was a second? Uh, yeah, you know. You never told me? I mean, you, obviously Medianoche tried to, to claim that, uh, the fight was a fluke. Um, of course, he wears his mask on just the, uh, left side of his face, and he suggested that, uh... <laughs> That uh, he was covering up his good side, so this time he was fighting with a mask on the right side of his face. It kind of gives away who he is. So like... <laughs> He's, he just has to splice the video together. Mm-hmm. So, someone has to have done that, if not on YouTube on Daily Motion. Uh, but yeah, he he went for he went for a German suplex, um, kind of pulled a muscle in his thigh, and just had. Um, and just had corned beef uh, fall back on him, um, and he tapped out. He tapped just just from limb laying on top of him. He tapped out. 
Uh, I mean, pulled a muscle in his thigh. Uh, had a guy perfectly on top of him in the um, crucifix position. Like, <laughs> honestly, there's no oh. no way to no way to get out of that. But um, well, you know what I say though, like Ramon, like I. I've been saying for years that pro wrestlers don't have a place in MMA, and this just further proves my point. Honestly, okay, I don't, I don't think that Medianoche uh, did the best job, but I feel like one day uh, a fabled wrestler will come in and prove that um, Canadian Destroyer shouldn't be legal or it shouldn't <laughs> be illegal in um, in MMA. What the, what the hell is a Canadian Destroyer? Okay, so Canadian Destroyer is kind of like, um, you tell a person, hey, look, there's, like, a penny on the ground. And they're like, oh, shit, let me pick up this penny. And then, like, you run up and you, like, jam your thighs into their their neck. And then you yell out, Canadian Destroyer! And you, like, do a front flip and they do a back flip. And, um... How, how do you do this on someone without them, like, helping you? Um... You know what? It's the power of them thighs, baby! You know what? Sure, whatever. I, you know what, Ramon? I believe you. Okay. Well, I, the... I, I, I mean, I, I know I go real hard on pro wrestling during this show, and I, I, I feel bad about it because you work in that business. But honestly, like, it's, it's absolute dog shit. <sighs> we'll save this argument for another time. Yeah. Uh, so you've been listening to the uh, Punch Drug Masters on the um, Left Leg uh, Podcast Network. Remember. Right leg hospital, left leg podcast. Um, <laughs> don't have any sponsors yet, but you know, if you got any mattresses or underwear you're trying to sell, maybe some razors, uh, we're always looking out for that. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Uh-huh.